0: But uh, I want to begin with this thought. There's more freedom in his will than outside of his will. You see, when God is working in your life and you allow the will of God to work in your life, you find a lot of things work better, faster, and they have greater satisfaction. And as I was uh, thinking about this passage, I really had in mind Uh, those of you, especially if you own a business, because this passage is so relevant to that, but it's also relevant to you in your personal life, in your family life, and how things work in the kingdom. You know, we know how things work in the natural world, don't we? We kind of go, we get a job, we get paid, we come home, you know, we spend all that we have, and then we wait for the next paycheck. I mean, this is just kind of how things work in the natural realm. But in the supernatural realm, things work differently. And I want we're going to show you that. And we're going to challenge you, I hope, in the spirit realm to really move into a new level. You know, faith is one of those really mysterious things where you're not really sure how it works, but you know it works. And then when it works, you're shocked that it works. Have you ever noticed that? It's kind of like miracles. You know, you, you, you hear about a miracle of God, and then you're shocked. You go, I can't believe it. Now think about that, that statement, I can't believe it, I got a miracle. No, you got a miracle because you believed it. But but you see how, how, how drawn we are to, to the natural world and to things that make sense? We even want to be shocked at the miracles that God said, I want you to do. And when God, you know, when you look in scriptures, like when Jesus said, speak to the mountain, it, it will move. And he wasn't... So concerned about a literal mountain moving, he was concerned about the obstacle in your life that's keeping you from achieving that in life which you want to achieve for the glory of God and for the good of your family. And you see, he knows that that we face these kind of things, that we live in this very human world that is so absent of the supernatural that he has to force us into it and to live into that realm of the supernatural. Because it doesn't come naturally. Amen. And see, one of the advantages of being in a community of faith is just that. You're in community where other people who are encouraging you or you're encouraging them to live and walk by faith. So let me let me set this story up because we're going to talk about a biblical character by the name of Jacob. And Jacob found himself in an unusual situation. He found the girl of his dreams and his father-in-law is going to pull a fast one on him and give him the older sister who wasn't nearly as good looking. It's just what it says. I'm just quoting scripture. And so you can imagine in this day, so he pulls the fast one and, and Jacob ends up with the wrong girl on the wedding night and then the next day he goes, he wakes up and goes, holy cow, what happened? And, uh, and he says, now if you want the other one, you've got to work for me for seven years. And Laban was just about as cunning as Jacob, right? And God put him in a situation of difficulty because God was more concerned about getting Jacob to the place of understanding God than it was about Jacob getting the right girl. That seems odd, right? I mean, doesn't that like odd just to start with? You see why I didn't want to preach on this passage? This passage gets weirder. But I love this passage and it's got so much depth to it. So, here's a couple of things that I want to just kind of set up the message with this. Number one, setbacks prepare you for blessings. See, if you haven't had a setback or a difficulty, you will. Is that fair enough? Because you know, we go through life and there's, there's this human, there's always this fighting to try to succeed or to be happy or to get to the next level or whatever it is for you. And you see, that's, that's wound up in the curse that came because man sinned against God. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he said to Adam, you're going to struggle, you're going to have to fight against thorns and thistles and challenges and the sweat of your brow in order to succeed. And for the wife, you know, for Eve said, and you're gonna suffer in childbirth. I mean, in terms of this, giving birth is no small thing. I mean, I've been there, it was horrendous. <laughs> I said, no way, why would any I got to get off reservation here for a minute. Why would any guy want to do that? I don't, I don't know. It just, it's beyond me. Thank God for mothers, amen? All right. Second thing is difficulty refines your character. I don't know anything that gets you back on track quicker than when you go through difficulty and you're pressed into prayer. You just don't have a choice. You just go like, I, it's almost like you throw up your hand and say, well, we've got nothing else. I guess we'll pray. Has it come to that? And, and yet when you go through that difficulty, you find out that character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us because Jesus has been poured into our heart. That's Romans 5. And then words set in motion your destiny. Have you ever listened to you talk to you? I mean, really listen to you, talk to you. What do you say about you when no one's around? What do you say about your future when no one's listening? It's easy to say the right things when someone's listening and say what people want you, expect to to be heard from you, but what do you say about you? Do you look at your business and sometimes say, I don't know if I can make it? I don't know why it's everything's going wrong. Now think about those two words right there, those two phrases. Those are words of death spoken over your business. You say, well, they're true. They're true in the natural realm, but you're not true in the supernatural realm, so what you do is you flip the script and you begin to speak life over your business, over your family, over your job, over everything you do. You see, on a a natural sense, You know, the speech center of your brain is connected to all your nerves. So when you say something, your nerves don't know the difference between truth and and a lie, so your nerves respond to what you say from your mouth. So if you say from your mouth, you know, I'm a disappointment, it's not working, I'm failing, your nerves tense up, and you begin to experience that which is called failure in your own life. This is why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 that let the words of your mouth, let them be life and not death. You see, I've found that so many times we curse the ground that we walk on. We're walking in life, and what we're doing is we're speaking things over our life and over our future and over our walk that are not beneficial to us. And you can do that in self-talk. I mean, I talk to myself all the time. I have a happy dialogue going on with Phil. I, I was an only child, I had to, you know, I had to resort to this. Had a dog, wouldn't talk to me, you know, so I'm talking to me. But what do you say to you? What are you saying to you right now? You might even say something like this, I don't believe this. Okay, you just spoke more death over you. You say, well, but it's not true that there's, my business is doing well. Then speak it over it until it is. It's kind of like children, raising children. You know, if you, if you always criticize your child, don't be surprised if they grow up criticizing you. You know, I mean, just think about what some parents say. Well, you know, you're not as smart as your brother. They never said that about me. <laughs> it's a good thing about being a only child. There's no comparison. <laughs> All roads in with you. But think about that, what does that do to the brother? You've spoken death over the brother, over the sister, over your child, and they have to live with that their entire life. I still have things in my head that teachers said to me growing up that were death. I do, and you probably do too. If you think back, go, oh, I remember that, I remember that, I remember that, I remember that. I remember. Miss Beck said, You're very creative, but you'll never write a book. I'm working on my 10th one right now. And the whole motivation is just to rub it in the face of Mrs. Beck. Amen? <laughs> Let's talk about divine appointments. Divine appointments bring favor. Now, what is a divine appointment? It's an appointment that God arranges in your life that is so out of the usual that you have to look to God and say, "God, what are you doing?" Now, I really believe that you can take casual encounters with people and turn them into something very supernatural, very significant, and very powerful in your life. But I think there are some that are just set apart, and you go, "Like, how did this happen? What's going on here?" So we started out, our trip was going to be to Grand Rapids, and then we got invited to go down to Virginia Beach and to speak at Boat Church. This is a church thing that they do in the summer in Virginia Beach, and all the boats come and they gather, and it's just like, uh, who knows, where did this come from? And, but then we went to New York. So we get to New York. And it's July 3rd and I look on my phone in Instagram and I see that Sean Foyt is in New York City on July 3rd doing a lettuce worship in Times Square. Oh, well, we're here, right? We're going to do dinner that night, but we're gonna, we can be there at 5 o'clock. And so I text him and I said, hey, guys, we're here and we'll come down. And yeah, come on down. So we go down there and there's, you know, several thousand people gathered there in Times Square and they're, they're getting ready to start. And uh, he said, hey, come in and pray with us. So I go in and I pray with him. And then he looks at me and he goes, okay, uh, you're going to go ahead and speak. (laughs) Which is great, but it was a divine appointment. You see, and when things like that come together, you go like, It just made the trip even better. And Tammy had some amazing uh, meetings there, and and I was just a part of that. But it was just a blessing of God. But I want to show you a little clip from Times Square on July 3rd. The goodness of God shows up, God is in a good middle of the heart, He loves you, He cares about you. Give me that Jesus wave. A lot of people in the glass, give me that Jesus wave. Come on, me that Jesus. And here, we're in the middle of Times Square, we're going to celebrate Jesus, Amen. Amen, huh? I'm going to give you some things that I think are going to help you align yourself for divine appointments and then how to maximize those divine appointments. I really believe that God has given Tammy and I some amazing divine appointments and some we've not stewarded very well because we didn't know how. You've probably had those you know hopefully we're going to get closer to understanding how to steward those better so let's go to the bible let's go to genesis chapter 30 verse 27 we're going to encounter laban remember laban we set it up he's the guy that gave jacob the wrong girl said seven years i'll give you the right girl which he had no intention once that happened of giving him the of letting him loose because while jacob was there everything that jacob did got blessed And Laban therefore got blessed. Laban had little when Jacob came. He became rich and prosperous because of Jacob. Now that's a really interesting principle we're gonna talk about. So let's look at the story. And Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes. So Jacob wants to leave. He's now got the right girl and the other one. These things happen in the Old Testament. And he says, no, I don't want you to leave. And look what he says here. If I found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Do you realize some of you are blessed because of somebody else? It's by association. It's by being in their atmosphere. And you don't know why you're blessed the way you're blessed, but somehow there is a supernatural, spiritual thing that's happening in that moment. I've seen it happen. I've seen people that that have been here and they're blessed and then they, they somehow get away from God and all that blessing goes away. And I'm going like, what happened? I'm not saying that they stopped loving God. They just got out of a, a sphere of blessing. Then he said, Name me your wages and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me for what you had before I came was little and it increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. Jacob knew it. Laban knew it. If you know somebody who walks with God and there's a blessing on them, stay close. Do not get proud and think it's you. Do not elevate them because there's something special about them. It just happens to be favor, and favor sometimes not even fair. I've known people that had favor on them. I go, I don't know why, God. I really don't. And they don't know either. I just know what happens. And now, when shall I provide for my own house? So he said, what shall I give you? Now, this is the principle I want you to hold on to right now. I want you to hold on to this. There is, there is favor that comes by association. So I'm going to show you another biblical character, a guy named Joseph. Let's look at this. This is Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of the master, the Egyptian. And the master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord had made all that he did to prosper. So here we have another one. Now he's a servant. He's gone through difficulty. His brothers sold him into slavery. He was taken down into Egypt. Now he's in the house of Potiphar. And Potiphar looks around and he goes, you know what? We are better now than we were before you came. We've we've been blessed. We've increased. and And the master knew it. And Joseph knew it. It's the same kind of thing. We could do the same thing with Abraham. We could do this with a lot of different biblical characters. We'd do it with David, Solomon, you name it. This is not random and isolated. This is a supernatural truth. Once you start to get a hold of it, it's gonna amaze you because you're gonna begin to walk in a supernatural flow of the Spirit and you're not gonna be able to explain what's happening in your life. And if you think you can explain it, then you've missed it. It's just something that works in the kingdom. And notice what it says, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. So you see, not only is this prospering coming, but this uh, success is coming, but this also management or oversight was coming because of this. And all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of the house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for J- Joseph's sake. Now remember, the Egyptian was not a believer in the true God. He worshiped pagan gods. Do you see this fear, this fear of, of favor that comes? It can even bless those outside the faith. There are people that you are around that are not Christians that are being blessed because they're around you. They think it's them. You don't have a clue what's going on. You just know it's working. I'll give you you a practical example. The post office, this used to be the post office facility and we bought the building. And then we rented back space to the post office because when we first started, we desperately needed that resource to to qualify for the loan. Now th- this was all post office. Now they're down to thirty five hundred square feet. The guy told me. The manager said, "You know, it's the amazing thing is this six months into it. Six months into it, he said, the amazing thing is this post office since you've come in has actually doubled in the number of of of." of letters and business that comes through here. And he said, I don't understand it. And I didn't say anything. I thought, I understand it. I know what's going on. That in, in, the, in this sphere of faith that you're in, there's blessings that come whether you know God or whether you don't know God. That's why this nation, by the way, has been blessed. Not blessed because it's filled with all wonderful people. Not blessed because we have Christian presidents. It's blessed because there is enough believers and faith and foundation in this nation to bless others. That's why. Now let me show you what favor is. So favor comes by association. So this is a real big principle here. If you know somebody who's got favor on them, stay close to them. If they have any way to help you to understand how that came let them tell you you know like like why are you so blessed and they may say i don't know maybe maybe it's because i pray on a regular basis maybe it's because i lean into the word of god maybe it's because i walk by faith but probe people that are that have the favor of god on them and then ask God to bring favor on you. God, I know that favor is not fair and, and maybe I'm not, a, I know I'm not a perfect person, but God, would you bring some favor on me? Would you, I need a supernatural infusion in my family, in my job, in my business, in my life. That's what I need, God. I cannot do this. As long as you just say, I can do it, look how good I am. You don't need the, God says, you don't need the favor of God. You, you got this. You wanna be God of your business, go be God of your business. I don't know about you, I'd rather have some help, amen? All right, it also brings promotion. Sometimes people get advancements that they can't explain. And they're in a situation and go like, how did you get that promotion? I don't know. I mean, you're not like the most qualified, but you got it. Why? Because God was working supernaturally behind the scenes to do something. Now, brother, I know you just got a promotion. You're captain now, and and you deserved it. Amen? I don't know if I'm supposed to say that publicly, but I just did. (laughs) Favor affects every area of your life. Sometimes when you hear about favor or success, you think it always means money. It doesn't. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it means other things in your life. The word shalom is a Hebrew word that means nothing broken and nothing missing. It also means success and prosperity. So when the Jew would say, uh, speak over someone, shalom, it was saying, may you be blessed in every way. May you be in good health. You know, may your children grow up healthy and loving God. You see, this is shalom. That's a word spoken of life, isn't it? Like, The queen of England died not too long ago, right? But what did they say every day? Long live the queen. Surely that had to help. That and she feared Charles was gonna be king. She said, I gotta hang on as long as I can, amen? (laughs) But seriously, what would happen if you got up every morning and you say, you speak your name and you speak your family's name and you say, may good health, peace, prosperity, and joy be over this household? and said, oh my, what are we gonna do? Divine alignment brings favor. Let's go on in Genesis, Genesis 30, verse 31. And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. Now Jacob understood something about favor. He said, I don't need you to help me, Laban, because you don't understand the realm I'm moving in. I don't want you to do anything. In fact, the less you do, the more we'll see God do. Did you hear me? See, sometimes you know we're just like high-level beggars. We're just like, can you help me, can you help me, can you help me, can you help me? And God says, would you just let me do something? I would love to just work in your life. Okay, I get so excited about this passage that I don't like. (laughs) He says, if you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all the flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep. I told you this was gonna get weird, all right? And all the brown ones among the lambs, and all the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. Now, remember that most sheep are not speckled and brown and striped. They're white. So he's taking what is an anomaly, right, And he says, let me have those, okay, first of all. Now watch this. And these shall be my wages, so my righteousness will answer me in time to come. So what was he relying on? He was relying on his relationship with God, not on Laban, and not even on what are the odds of this thing working out for me in the long run, because watch what happens. Um, they will answer me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats, the brown among the lambs, will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. Laban said, this is the best deal I've ever heard. <laughs> right? It's kind of like saying, you know, we've got a brown dog and a brown dog, and they're gonna have puppies. and But we're hoping for a green dog to be born here, a whole litter of green dogs. This is like, this is how odd this was. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, Everyone that had some white in it and all the brown ones among the lambs and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. So he says, you know, in case Jake, Jacob's trying something here, I'm gonna put three days distance between this Now, here's a couple of bullet points. One is, remember that God blesses righteousness. The Bible says, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So when I'm I'm right with God, my prayers are better. My return is better when I'm right with God. Now, God will answer your prayer when you're not walking with God sometimes. But remember, the odds are against you then, But God's odds are for you if you're walking in righteousness when you pray. The other thing that's really interesting here, and this is a principle, God honors initiative. If you do this, if you just sit around and go, God, I just pray you'll bless me, you don't do anything, God ain't noticing. I'm sorry. He wants to know what are you doing to get involved in what's happening in this world. Because we're co-labors in the kingdom of God, and God wants you to take initiative, there's a really unusual story in the Bible. It's a story of the unrighteous uh, steward. And the story goes like this. The master leaves. He leaves the steward in charge of all his stuff, and the steward is not very good at what he does. He's unrighteous. In other words, he's kind of losing money for the guy, and he's trying to cover it up. And he's, then he comes to his senses. He says, wait a minute. My master's coming back soon, and he's gonna want an account of all that's going on. So he says, "I and here's what He says, I am too proud to beg and too old to dig. I got to come up with another solution. Right? You got it? So he goes to all the people that owe the master money. He said, How much do you owe the master? One says 100, then write me a check for 60. Another says, How much? 80, then write me a check for 50. And what he does is he gives them a discount so he can get the money in hand. The master comes back and said, how'd you do? He said, well, you know the guy that owed you 100, he gave me 80, the guy that gave you 50, he gave me 40. I mean, he just kind of goes through this whole thing. And he looked at him and he said, well done. What? The guy was a crook. The guy took advantage of you. And then this is what it sums up to say. Sometimes the sons of darkness are wiser than the sons of light. And I read that and I go, what is going on in this story? And I realized what it was. Number one was, he, knew, he the unrighteous steward knew he had a problem. If you don't know you have a problem, you can't solve it. That's humility. Secondly, he took the initiative. He took the initiative. He said, I gotta fix this problem because I don't wanna dig and I don't wanna beg. All right? And the third thing he did was he he actually made a deal that made sense because in the long run, it's anybody's guess if the master's going to get 100% out of those guys anyway. These are principles that work in the kingdom. Not that you're unrighteous, but when you take the initiative. And then the third thing is, is um, God brings opportunity to you. Sometimes it's staring you in the face you can't see it. Great story, the first church we pastored was in South Louisiana, and there was a guy there that had basically been poor his whole life, lived in a, in a small town north of Baton Rouge, and his wife drove a, a school bus, and I don't remember what all he did, but it just didn't amount to anything, and then Georgia Pacific Lumber came into town. And they came to Ansel and they said, Ansel, we'd like to buy some trees. And Ansel said, well, I love my trees. I don't really want to cut any of them down. And they said, why don't you go out there and you mark all the trees you want to keep and we'll pay you $1,000 a tree for the rest of them. Now he had hundreds of acres of trees. This little church that was north of Baton Rouge sometimes, you'd walk in there and, you know, all of a sudden the offering would be up by ten or $20,000 on one Sunday because Ansel sold some trees. He was sitting on a gold mine his entire life, but it took an opportunity coming to town for him to seize that opportunity. I want you to be able to develop a sight to see things that are around you that are opportunities. You see, if you just go through business as usual, always you never see opportunities. What is it that God is putting in my pathway that's an opportunity that if I would take the initiative and I would apply the, the, just the kingdom of God principles to it could turn out to be success for me. I mean, I got a hundred of these stories. I mean, when you pastor for years, you get story after story after story of people go, I don't know how this happened, but look what happened, look what happened. But it was always, they always had an opportunity, they always took the initiative. Do not sit around and wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord means... Well, let me put it this way. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you had a waiter, didn't want to wait on you? See, waiting on the, the word wait on the Lord is not set back and rest. It's get busy and serve the Lord. That's what waiting is. Can you imagine a waiter never shows up? You never get a refill of water. You never get bread. You never get a, a clean fork. And he brings a bill. You can't wait to give him a 20% tip, can you? Gotta look. I'm looking at this guy. You ain't getting no twenty. I gotta send a message to you, right? Some of you are waiters and waitresses, and you're going like, what? What? Yes, it's called work. That's called a job. You're supposed to do something with it. Amen. That's what the Bible talks about. In fact, in Thessalonians, it says there were people that thought the Lord was coming back, and so they quit their jobs. And then the Lord wasn't coming back and they got hungry. And you know what Paul says? He says, if they won't work, don't let them eat. That's in the Bible, I'm just telling you. All right? Okay, now watch this. Divine mystery brings favor. Now, this is the the heart of this message, okay? This is what I wanted you to get. Genesis 30, now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them to expose the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters. Oh, this is getting good. Okay, now remember what's happening here. He gets all the speckled, all the striped. He's taking sticks and he's putting him in so that the livestock can see the spotted sticks. This is his plan. Is this not a weird story? I mean, can we, by all rights, is this not a strange story? It's gonna get stranger, watch what's happened. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters in watch in watering troughs where the flocks came to drink so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods and the flocks brought forth streaked, uh, streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and, the, and all the brown in the flock toward a, a flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flocks. So he did another thing. You know what he did? He took the strongest and he separated them out. He took the weakest, he put them over there. So what's happening, it's, it's just animal husbandry. So he's understanding some, he understood some things about how things work Right? And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, and they might conceive among the rods. But when he put the flock, when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in so. So the feebler were Laban's, and the stronger were Jacob's. And thus the man became not prosperous, but look what it says exceedingly prosperous exceedingly prosperous, and he had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. I've read this story a hundred times at least. Every time I read it, I go, what? You know, and then things started to click in my brain. There's a certain law of attraction. Have you ever been talking about somebody and they showed up? Where'd you come from? What are you talking about? No, no, nothing, nothing. Literally, we were talking, I was talking with my son a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about this guy, and all of a sudden, the guy called, and he goes, how does this happen? This happens all the time. I said, well, if we had time, we could really dig in today into quantum physics, but quantum physics is an amazing thing, but it's in the Bible. God operates the universe by like attracts like. This is just a principle in in quantum physics. And you've experienced it, the Bible's, this story is quantum physics story, okay? Now let me give you some scriptures. Genesis 15, these are on, are, aren't on the wall, so you'll just have to listen. Look toward heaven, he says to Abraham, look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. Abraham, I'm gonna make you the father of a great nation. And Abraham's going, what, really? He says, I want you to look to the heavens and start counting stars. Another time he says, can you count the grains of sand on the ocean, so shall your descendants be. So what he's doing, he's forcing him into a situation where he has to see things in his mind in his spirit before he sees them in the natural realm. This is faith. Let me give you another one. This one's in Joshua chapter six and verse two. They're going in to to take the land now and, and they come to Jericho, he says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and with its valiant warriors. They haven't even lifted a a weapon yet and he says, I've given it to you, but I want you to see it first. You've gotta see it before you can hold it, okay? Luke chapter nine, verse 16 and 17. He took, Jesus took five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, gave them to disciples to set before the multitude, so they all ate, were filled, 12 baskets were left over, fragments were taken up by them. What can I do with some, just a, a few fish and a few loaves? Well, in God's hand, you can do everything. Okay, one more. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. And I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So when I'm praying, what I've got to do is I've got to be able to see that which I'm asking God for before I have that which I'm asking God for. In Romans 4, it talks about Abraham. It says he called those things which are not as though they are. Isn't that faith? See, a lot of times think I got faith after I got it. No, you get faith before you get it. You have faith before you get it. That's why you get it. What are you you believing God for that's impossible for you to do in your own strength, your own power, your own wisdom, your own ingenuity? That's where you have to live. I have to live in that realm of the impossible. So I don't get any credit, God gets all the credit. All right, so what does faith do? Faith unlocks the mysteries of God. I've seen God work. I'm sure some of you, maybe all of you, have seen God work, and you just—it's such a mystery. You don't even know how it happened. It just, God, I don't get this. You ever seen a baby the first time they get solid food? They ain't going back. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they've been—they've been those pre-chewed peas and things that they give babies. You know, those are fine. Then they get solid food and they go, I ain't going back. Can I tell you, when you get into the deeper things of God, you ain't going back. I ain't going back to peas, carrots, all that other stuff. I need a good juicy steak, amen? I want a juicy steak from God. I want it medium. I want it charred. I want it hot. I can see it right now. All over this room, hundreds of you are buying gift cards for me. (laughs) By your laughter, I'm not going to get one. All right, now watch this. Faith, faith changes the atmosphere. Have you ever been around people that just have faith? And you go like, wow, they they really have faith. They really got, they believe this stuff? And you go like, I think I do too. I want to believe this. I want to believe this. I remember I was sitting with Jim Caviezel years ago, about 11 years ago, and we were just sitting talking, and I had this moment where I, I thought, I had this in my spirit, I thought, this guy loves Jesus more than I do. And he was Jesus, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, I had this thought, and, and then the Spirit of God says, do you wanna love me like that? I mean, I was absolutely amazed at his love. You see, that motivated me if you, if you hang around people that love Jesus, guess what? You're gonna either love Jesus or run as fast as you can away from them because you don't want Jesus. But there's an atmospheric presence of the Spirit of God that you move into and you live in, and when you're in that realm of the Spirit of favor and supernatural blessings, things happen outside of the ordinary that can only be pointed back to the living God. I mean, it's just true well, how do I get there? I'm gonna make it as simple as I can. God's presence is all around you. You simply have to step into it by faith. It's like, God, I I just wanna live in your presence right now. I'm in your presence, I'm in the presence of God. I acknowledge the presence, I enjoy the presence, I love the presence. I'm not looking for it, it's not like hide and seek. God is ever-present. In fact, the psalm said he is an ever-present help in time of trouble. What does that mean? Then go in. Step in to the realm of the presence of God. Amen? Faith unlocks divine provisions. You realize there's things that God doesn't release because we don't ask. you say, if God always knows what I need and he's gonna give me what I need, then yeah, he's gonna give you shelter, food, and water. gonna give you some clothes everything else you have to start moving in the realm of god Move in the realm of god and let god unlock it remember when jesus talked about the keys of the kingdom i give unto you the keys of the kingdom did you notice it's not one key it's multiple keys because each key opens a different door you know how many keys i have to this building i have one it's the back door Some of the guys on staff, they've got like 50 keys. They got keys. I only need one key right now to get into this place, but in the kingdom, I need a ring of them. I got one. I, this is the key that opens this door. 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 And I start opening those doors. I say, God, I want to open more doors, more doors, more doors. I want to see the kingdom of God come in its fullness, in his power, in his glory. I want to see God work in your life. I want to see God work in this, in this church's life. Let's stand together and let's just open some keys, some doors with some keys of the kingdom. Can you say amen?